All right, welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall. Glad you're going to be with me today. We are currently going through a series that has aired on the Discipleship.org Collective, led by Ken Shackelford, about disciple-making movements. If you haven't listened to the last few episodes, you might want to skip back to episode 24 of this season before you listen to this episode, because Ken has taken us through what it looks like for these disciple-making movements to explode. And we're going all over the globe and talking to different people about that because we in North America want to know what it takes to get to that point. Like, what do these churches do to create an atmosphere for a movement like this to explode? We want to see that happen here. So on today's episode, Ken and Matt Dabbs, who is one of our behind-the-scenes workers here at Discipleship.org, and he also works with Backyard Church, they talk about disciple-making movements together, and they go into detail about what role prayer and fasting plays in sparking these movements. So I hope that you enjoy the episode today. This is Ken Shackelford and Matt Dabbs. Welcome and greetings to you all. My name is Ken Shackelford. I'm blessed to be your host for this series where um, we're taking a deep dive into what God's doing in and through disciple-making movements around the world and, and very intentionally and specifically trying to learn and glean from, from them so that we can develop a disciple-making culture here and Lord willing, see transformative multiplying movements in our communities and we're doing this by connecting with and interviewing different movers and shakers in the area of disciple making movements folks who led movements themselves or have experienced them and learned from them as well like uh, and last week uh, someone who's dedicated their life to researching disciple making movements and helping various leaders of these movements make strategic decisions and where to send workers to spark more movements because that's one thing we're seeing is it's not just disciples making disciples and it's not just churches planting churches but we're now seeing movements sparking more movements and and we're seeing a great momentum build in many um uh, places around the world some that would be very surprising to you, uh, probably. Um, and so the plan for today was to have uh, Shadanke from West Africa, Shadanke Johnson, who, um, if you've been connecting with this series, you were, um, you heard about him in the first episode of this series when Bobby Harrington and I were visiting and, um, we showed a video of David Young um, at a, a Renew conference that was sharing his uh, experience with Shadanke and the movement that he's a leader of. Uh, unfortunately, um, as sometimes the case when you try to Zoom across the world and uh, in, in, um, in different time zones and all that, we have had a disconnect with Shadanke. So, he hasn't shown yet. He may yet show, but um, in his place is someone we also introduced in that first episode who is a part of discipleship.org. So I want to welcome uh, Matthew Dabbs uh, onto this. Thanks for uh, being with us here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, 
So um, we're gonna we're gonna uh, have a conversation. I, I I think will be a blessing to all of you who are here. And um, if uh, we're going to let Shadanke interrupt that conversation if he he shows up, but um, uh, so um, the the focus um, of this morning with Shadanke is um, is planning to be, and we'll continue that focus. Um, what prayer and fasting uh, have to do with disciple making movements, and we'll get the, into that uh, in a little bit. But Matt, since I've got you here, I would love to hear more than what we gave you in your little introduction a couple of weeks ago. Uh, hear more of kind of what God's been doing in your heart uh, and and um, leading you toward a passion for for making disciples and, and all of that. So tell us, tell us a little bit more of your story, Matt. Yeah. Well, it is very directly related to Shadonke. I, I have a lot of um, appreciation for him and for what he's doing. So about three years ago, um, I just, I had ministered for full time for about 18 years. And I've just realized that I'd, I'd studied the Bible with people of to conversions and all that, but I didn't really have a good, plan for like um, effective disciple making, especially not effective reproducible disciple making. And um, I was familiar with Coleman's work from way back, but I just, I didn't really know how to actually do that. How does that translate into real life, right? Yeah, right. And, and I didn't feel good about that because, you know, we would convert, people would be baptized at church and then it was like, okay, now what do you do? Where do they go? What's next? And it was like, in a Bible class, hear more sermons. And, you know, I just didn't feel for my own self like that was good stewardship within my own ministry. So I just decided to pray about it. And I just prayed like, okay, God, I just really want to learn this. And, and the part the prayer was two parts. It was, um, please send someone to teach me. And if you'll teach me this, if you'll send someone to teach me, I promise I'll take it very seriously. Like I'll do it to the best of my ability. And so after praying that for a couple of months, I was at a, uh, a gathering and um, Bobby Harrington was there. And afterward, he came up and asked me um, about some work that he needed done. And he said, but someone who, who does this needs to know disciple making. Do you know disciple making? And I'm like, well, that, <laughs> it's funny you'd ask that because I've been praying for a couple of months that God would send somebody to teach me that. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll help you know how to do that. And we can, you know, kind of work together on this. Yeah. And I just said, OK, God, well. Now I need. I got to do it because I, I promised I'd do it. Well, that's then, uh, that's the that's the first little hit on this subject. Of, uh, it's amazing when you pray specific and simple prayers. Um, what God can do through that, you know, uh, yes. it, we don't have to try to impress God with any kind of lofty um, prayers. I don't know that God's ever impressed with anybody's prayers, right? But uh, he is listening and he does respond, especially when it has to do with getting to um, his mission that he's given us. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. And since, and, and I've got one more step to that story, but just as a, as an illustration of, of what you're saying, uh, we planted a church in pandemic last year. And um, what we, one of the things that we learned well, first we were committed that the core of it would be disciple making and that every single thing we would do through prayer. We wouldn't make any decisions without praying about it, even little decisions. Yeah. And when we started 
which was a different paradigm. I'm used to going into leadership meetings and we open with a prayer. You, you strategize. And then you, we just go. You use the wisdom you've got in your brain, but it's really the wisdom, often the wisdom of the flesh instead of just yeah. really listening, That's right? So, true. so what we decided was we were going to pray about everything. And there have been just so many stories within the church plant where we prayed for something very specific and simple, like you said, and the day of or the very next gathering, someone would show up and offer what we had asked for unsolicited. Mm -hmm. And it's just so reaffirming. And that might be a need. There's literally been specific needs that we, we said, God, we need this. Will you send someone to bring us this? And he's done that. The even day of the prayer, unsolicited, like unconnected from our world, like we didn't ask, like publicly. And then there have been people connections where we literally have asked God to fill certain roles in our church plant that God sent people to us within that week to say, Hey, I want to do this. Can I do this with you? We're right. like, praise God. <laughs> yeah. Why have we not been doing this? <laughs> and, and prayer, uh, prayer is like, I, I picture it like, um, building a snowball. You, you pray and you listen, you respond and you start rolling you start rolling that ball with the, the answer to prayer builds your faith, which makes you want to pray more, more. Okay. which, which allows you to recognize, you know, God is always involved in our lives, but we so often aren't recognizing it because we're not praying about these specific things on a, on a very regular basis. Right. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's so affirming and, you know, it's just so refreshing to like in lifetime watch God work. And then you just learn more and more to depend on God's like when you when you know God is walking, not just with you, but even ahead of you opening doors. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. we go in prayer, walk the neighborhood. And we literally met someone the other day that was like, you know, I was just praying to find a church. And we're like, and we're invited. <laughs> we just started a church a tenth of a mile from your door. Like and so just like God is walking before us. And as we're walking and praying and moving and sometimes stopping and waiting, you know, like it's just refreshing. Like I was thinking back on my 20 years now of ministry and I can't remember, I can't re remember instances where we literally stopped mid decision to say, like, we really don't know what we're doing, but God knows and he can tell yes. us. So like, yes. let's just ask him. Right. Yeah. You know, that's something that when I look at my spiritual walk with God, um, I realized before he really exposed me to um, or, or directed me towards disciple making and disciple making movements, he did a lot of work on me to really get me to believe in prayer, to, to really believe in it and not just believe in one way prayer too, where I, I pray God listens, but to believe that he responds and and yes he sometimes responds by directing me to a, a passage in his in, in his word but sometimes he responds in, in in very directive ways just on my heart and sometimes even more than that i'm sure in this hour we'll, i'll get a chance to share some of those but um this idea that okay prayer what isn't just something that we do because it's it's a discipline that makes us feel more spiritual about ourselves, but it is a 
conversation with a living God. It is about relationship with a God who wants to work in us and work through us. And like you said, will go ahead of us and prepare the way. Um, This uh, is so important for us to just really, really believe in prayer. Yeah, that's so true. And the, the God is just speaking so much. And I just wasn't, I was not of that persuasion for most of my life and to stop and be able to listen. And um, there, there was a, a prayer I, w- I had prayed for some time a couple of years ago, a little while back that there was someone I was really struggling with in ministry. And I began praying for them because I was trying to fix this person. And then I realized, okay, they don't belong to me. They belong to God. And I need to ask God to help. Not only like from my opinion, I think they need fixed. Maybe I need fixed too. So I just start praying for this person by name that God would, would help them. And, and obviously I'm, I'm part of the system, right? So I'm asking for help too. And um, I had a really hard conversation with this person as I, as I'm praying for them regularly. And just, and I went to bed that night. I was so frustrated and I had, I had a dream about this, this person that night after this really hard conversation. And in this dream, I'm sitting in my church office and this person comes in the door and they sit down in one of my chairs and I walk around my desk and I sit across from them and we have a conversation. And I don't know about what, but at the end of it, uh, we both stood up and I said to him, said his name. And I said, I want you in the, in the dream. I said, I want you to know that I love you and I know you're just doing the best you know how to do. and You're a good man. And then he gave me a hug in the dream. So the next morning I go to my office and he walks in the door and sits down in the chair. And in four years of being in the office, he had come in my office one time four years ago. Wow. <laughs> okay. This is not a regular occurrence. Yeah. So I walked around, I sat in the other chair and I just thought, Oh God, you got me. Because <laughs> my, and my prayer was, I want you to, to affect change in a way I cannot take credit for. Yeah. And I thought, I don't want to say this to him right now, (laughs) but I know I'm supposed to. And so I said, and I wanted this connection to like, to understand God is involved in this relationship. So I shared the dream and I said, I didn't share the hug, but I said, there's a few things in the dream. I think God wants me to share with you. And I told him that I love him. He's doing the best he knows how to do. He's a good man. And he stood up and gave me a hug. And I thought, this is amazing. (laughs) So the same, and I'm not going to get into this one, but the same night, my wife had a dream that she went and talked to um, someone about who was praying for an answer, a very prophetic dream about a pregnancy that no one knew about. Right, right. I had never been told. And so my my wife was like, well, this happened to you. I should go talk to her, right? Yeah, (laughs) right. And it it was true. Like what she was told was the very same night. And it's like, God, what that did for me was, it's not like, oh, Matt has special dreams. It's like, God is speaking. Absolutely. He's speaking. Like, are we listening? This stuff's real. Right. And when you, when you start uh, in my exposure to disciple making movements, that's from the very beginning of someone's walk, that is part of their everyday life. That's their paradigm that they operate in that, that they are now walking with a living God who is, um, 
is going to communicate because that's what relationships do. And, um, and so this idea of just infusing prayer um, into uh, you know, certainly specific times and having some disciplines for it, but also infusing it into your everyday, your everyday thoughts and your everyday conversations. I sometimes forget how um, out of the ordinary it is. But I'm reminded sometimes because I'll be just talking to someone and they'll be sharing a concern. And just in my conversation, I won't, I won't, I won't say, okay, now let us bow or anything like that. I just start praying and I'm still looking at them. I haven't even closed my eyes. I'm praying and maybe I'm looking, looking uh, up at God metaphorically or whatever as well. But, um, and they're like, uh, wow, no, no one's ever done that before. And they've been, it's not like they're never around believers. They probably some of a lot of them are part of uh, churches and congregations, but um, it really has to be. I think of um, obviously the passage in Ephesians six, the the spiritual warfare passage, the armor of God, um, which is so crucial for any of us that are walking out our mission, because of course Satan will fight against that. Um, but that passage ends with pray at all times and on every occasion, so all times, every occasion, not with our wisdom, right? But in the power of the Holy spirit. And then he doesn't stop there. He's saying what well, stay alert be persistent um, in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. And um, I think sometimes we, we look at this uh, passage and we're like, okay, that's there, but our life might reflect it better if it said pray in times of crisis and on special occasions when you, when you feel spiritual enough, you know, stay relaxed be brief don't bug god too much with your prayers you know and just pray for the mm -hmm. special people in your life right that that might better reflect what our um what our world is as far as prayer goes um but it really should be all times every occasion in the power of the holy spirit um being alert and being persistent uh, i think that persistence that's something that we'll be talking with um, Pam Arlen later in this series, persistence with regards to disciple-making movements, not giving up. It's not a snap of the finger thing, but that includes prayer. That, um, you, were you were mentioning prayer walking. What does that look like for you? So with our church plant, we go at least as a group, we go once a month through our neighborhood and then um, probably every third month we go to Auburn University and just walk the campus and pray, pray over buildings, pray over people, encounter people, talk to them, see if they need anything prayed about. I just have a card for Backyard Church that if they need to find out more and want resources, they can go find that. Um, but for me, like, um, I'm a really introverted person. And so like, if I'm just being really transparent, like that wasn't something I was real comfortable with because I'm very used to being around people like me. I'm used to 
mm-hmm. um, being around a lot of Christians and like find I, I just wasn't that evangelistic and I didn't know my community very well. I, I know all right. my immediate neighbors really well, but like the neighborhood next door, especially and around. So like I literally like where I started was for me was, okay, I'm a little like this sounds so immature. I'm just going to be really transparent. Okay. Maybe all right. that. Like I can pray for that car and I can pray for that house and I can pray for the person who walks by me. And then I find myself asking God for like open doors. And then I'm like, okay, Matt, what are you going to do with the open door? Right. So like, then I'm like, well, the next two or three times through it, now I'm not just praying about open doors with people. I'm like talking to them because I've asked three right. times for, you know. Like, and and maybe, like, maybe God will direct you to actually knock on that door so that it does open, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's, it's wide open. Like I drive through my neighborhood and I'm stopping and saying hi to people by name who I'd never met before as of a year ago. Um, and it's wonderful. It's really yeah. wonderful, but you just got to start with where you can start. And, you know, this, um, this has been such a, uh, a powerful tool in, in my life because honestly, I, uh, you're being transparent. I'll be transparent. I get distracted extremely easy. And I would love to say that I sit in my office and just have one hour of intense prayer time by myself, but I guarantee you, I will get mm. distracted over and over and over again. Um, when I start uh, thinking these prayers of God, it, it, it actually engages my creative mind and I end up going and writing a song or something, which is great too, you know, a worship mm. song. But um, for me, uh, prayer walking, God, I've just seen God do so much. And, and uh, here in the States, when we uh, prayer walk, sometimes it'll be my wife and I, but I try to go out and I'll I'll do about an hour prayer walk and I'll grab one of my kids. Now I have eight kids, three of them are out of the house, but our, our younger five, it's just been so sweet to go along and the first time they were pretty much quiet the whole walk, uh, unless I prompted them to pray something specific. But but after weeks of doing this, it's just part of their conversation too. Yeah. So I'll encourage you. Um, that's part of discipleship, right? Pulling in um, your 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 kids. We I've started doing. You know, I've done it some with um, some some of our house church. Um, people and and just it's a great relationship builder as yeah, well that's so good and, yeah and it's it's super powerful for um a marriage uh, to go on a mm. prayer walk and um I'll, I'll just dive into a story of, of us in albania and i think i touched on this uh when when bobby and i were meeting but um you know, we we went there after being tra- trained in um, CPM, DMM principles, disciple-making movement principles. And so we were there and we, we were super excited to just dive in and start making disciples that make disciples, right? And put these into action. And, you know, a lot of times when you hear these stories, like what David Young shared, uh, first of all, you're really hearing almost the end result um, of because the movement's full bloom, bloom, right? And so you're not getting those beginning times that are full of maybe some doubt and self-questioning. Am I good enough? And <laughs> right. but but also the 
the blood, sweat, and tears that are that are poured out, trying, you know, and and the the hours of prayer that are given and the sacrifice that uh, is being made on on multiple fronts. So I know that uh, were we to pull Shadanke in here, we would have been able to hear some some of that um, because. You, that's you know one of the challenging things we get excited when we hear the numbers of disciple making movements but you're not you're not really getting a real life picture of the day-to-day grind and yes. sometimes prayer and fasting which we hadn't started talking about yet but that that is part of that grind that persistence that just you know so we were um you know, we were certain we, we had things to do. We were part of an English school and helping out with um, a, a church plant that we had already a couple of years before arriving helped get started. But um, we were there. We were wanting to connect, find people of peace. You know, I was praying for uh, a Timothy or whatever, and it just seemed like we ran up against wall after wall after wall, which I can guarantee you, if you try to put some of these principles into use here and now in the U.S. and North America, that's going to be an, a, a, a common occurrence, a regular experience. Is, is, um, it's, it's not going to be a, a snap of the finger yeah. cookie cutter solution. It's not microwavable. It is something that it's part of life. And anyway, that's the way it was for us. And we were we were trying so hard, and it just seemed like everything we were trying was just falling flat. Um, and um, it was almost like we were going backwards it, uh, instead of forwards. And it was pretty tough. But um, God did this really cool thing. Uh, he brought a, a group of college students from the States to, um, to something we had put together called a um, global training school. They were going to come for six weeks and basically uh, walk with us and, and do the things we do and experience the different awesome. type of opportunities and ministries. So like my wife worked with uh, an orphanage for that um, was part of uh, the Sisters of, of Charity, Mother Teresa's organization for handicapped infants and toddlers. Um, my daughter worked with handicapped Roma gypsy peoples. Um, we, we were doing a lot of different things, the, the English school that we had and other, uh, other opportunities. So they were walking along with us in that. And, but every evening, they would sit down and um you know we would sit down in the living room and they would say tell us tell us some stories tell us some stories you know we'd share stories of things that happened to Tibet. we share stories of things that happened in our ministry in the states and how god um, just like we shared before he kind of faithfully teaches you things we share stories of how he taught us to believe in prayer which is some of some of those out of the box experiences like what you shared. He taught us once through a, a very powerful vision uh, that a young man had at a Christian camp we were helping out at. And it was a vision of all of the churches in a small town coming together to pray. And let me tell you, these churches were as divided as 
you know, not churches of a single denomination, all of the evangelical churches coming together and along with a university um, at the university auditorium, a Christian university, which that just didn't happen. Um, And so it was a powerful vision and, uh, and it was very specific. This was in the summertime and he goes, um, it, it was like, I was there. I know this is going to happen. And we're like, okay, because I don't know about you, but that's not my background here hearing stories like that. We read stories about those kinds of things yeah. in God's word. But he said, no, this is going to happen. It will be September 16th of this year, which is my birthday. So I was like, okay, well, I can remember that day. <laughs> and, and, and then he looked at, I was leading the camp along with another leader. And he looked at me and said, what I don't know is what am I supposed to do with this information? <laughs> and then he looked at us like we're supposed to know. And this was so out of the box for me. I'm like, you know, we've been seeing God answer prayer so much. I think he wants to pray, wants us to pray about it, you know? Awesome. And honestly, I wish I'd had faith to really believe him. He was a solid guy, dependable, great, great young man of God in college. But it was just too far out, especially because I knew um, I knew this town. I knew all the church politics of all the different churches and the university. And I just knew that this would not happen. It was impossible, literally impossible for this to happen, where this massive auditorium would be filled from believers from all different churches. Right. But he was so um, passionate about this and so confident that God um, had spoken to him. So I was like, well, let's pray. And so he took that and he took that extremely seriously. And he got a bunch of other uh, fellow students and they went through the rest of the summer, all the different camp sessions. They, every moment they got, you saw them praying. And then they were a part of that university. They came back, they fasted through lunch every day. The the university start, the semester started in mid mid August. They had one month. Well, there was nothing planned at that in that auditorium, and they would plan you know, months and months ahead. And they were fasting every day, and I would join them. It was also always this great prayer time, right? And um, um, and by the way, I'm this is here in the states right now. In case you're confused, I jumped from Albania back to some stories I was telling this this college team, but um, they. Uh, they were passionate. They were meeting, fasting through lunch. I would join them. It was always a great prayer time. And I remember the Sunday before, September 16th came on a Sunday. And this Christian university would not plan things in that auditorium um, on Sundays because you're supposed to be at church, right? And so I'm like, this is impossible. You know, I want, I wanted, I didn't want this to blow them out of the water when this didn't happen. But they were believing, they were praying. The Sunday before, they said, hey, um, they came up. I I led worship that Sunday. They came up to me. Hey, we're meeting at this auditorium. We're going to walk around it seven times and pray that the walls that divide believers in this town will fall down like like the walls of Jericho. And they invited me. Of course, I joined them. It was a great prayer time. But afterwards, I and this other leader, we, we went and 
and we're having coffee and we're just like, God, what are you doing to us here? You know, there's one week we cannot manufacture this. (laughs) This is impossible. Um, And we were, you know, we were thinking damage control. How can we, we had seen God's faithfulness in prayer all through the summer. And even in the, the previous year, God had, it was like God turned the fire hydrant on. He was teaching us so much about the power of prayer and um, about listening prayers. Um, and so we wanted to keep these college students excited about what God had been showing them. And we didn't want this to blow them out of the water, right? So we're thinking practically, we're, we're d- thinking damage control, and we're just like, what, what's going on here, God? Well, two days later is what we now know as 9-11. And obviously that was such a big deal and so impactful that I actually forgot about the vision and the, uh, and all of that through the week. I was just busy watching those planes fly into the towers and wondering what was going to happen to our world after this and all that. But, but sure enough on that Sunday, September 16th, I went to church that morning and, and a, a friend of mine got up and announced that all the church leaders had gathered Saturday and said, we have got to get together to pray for our nation and pray for our world. So the university is opening up the auditorium and that evening, <laughs> believers from all different churches. And, and his vision was very specific. He actually said, and the leaders of these different churches will all be up on stage together and they're going to lead this together. I'm like, yeah, right. Um, but it happened exactly the way God had showed this young man. And to think of, I mean, this was such an impactful moment on me because the box that I had God in just blew up, as you can imagine. And I, I was busy in that auditorium, just weeping, just God, forgive me for not believing that that you that these stories that i've read in the bible that they're real and that you're real and that you're living and active and so um it was so impactful to me um and 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 i recognize so much of that had to do with really an entire year of intensive prayer i and this other leader and the maintenance man of the camp I was working for, we were meeting just about every morning and praying for an hour while we fed the horses and heard them crunching on, uh, on their breakfast. Um, we would be praying and we, and, and I realized there was so much happening because of prayer. So that was one of those awesome. lessons that God taught me. Right. Um, that's amazing was how powerful um, it can be. And, and also just the simple faith. I mean, these, these college students, they dove in. You cannot raise the bar too much for, for young believers, whether they're old, age-wise, or, or young. If they're young believers, it's amazing <laughs> how they can respond and walk out with Jesus. So That's amazing. anyway that was a sidetrack to what the original story I was sharing, which was um, 
we were telling these students who were visiting um, us in Albania, we were telling these different stories uh, of what God had been doing. That was one of them to, to really show us um, his power, show us, uh, teach us lessons about prayer. And what we realized is we were sharing this with them and we were kind of frustrated with the work there in Albania. We, God used us sharing our own stories to remind us that we need to be praying more, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and, um, and so uh, God used these young people being, uh, asking us for stories and us telling stories. All of a sudden we were like, oh, okay, God, I get it. Every, every uh, major spiritual movement or, or lesson I've ever experienced has always been preceded by times of intensive prayer. I think that's not a coincidence, right? Yeah, <laughs> Have you experienced that? <laughs> absolutely. No, 100%. And as you know, that's a historical fact right. in Christianity. I mean, that just it is. And, it's, and, it's, with, and with these movements, I, I, I've yes. heard over and over and over again, you will. Um, there are no disciple-making movements without a prayer and fasting movement first. I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at Discipleship.org. It's our Discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today. Now, if somebody's tuning into this, you're about, we're a little over halfway uh, yeah. through is, you know, Shadanke is not with us and he's in Sierra Leone and uh, we just had some connection issues with him um, this morning. We just not been able to, to get him on here. And so if he pops on, that'll be a blessing. But if not, we, we have just a lot of God stories to share ourselves too. Right. So that's a blessing. Right. So, you know, I've, yeah. been, I think I've been in the auditorium that you're talking about. Most likely yeah. we have a kind of a common background, so I can appreciate the gravity of that and, and right. what that took to happen. It was yeah. just purely a miracle. I mean, that was just God. And, and uh, it's, this is so incredible. You know, one of the things that, um, that struck me, I just, like, can I just bullet point a couple things like we're super fast? Would that be okay? Sure thing. That have been, it's been helpful to me. Like I was at uh, the renew discipleship.org National Disciple Making Forum a couple of years ago. And uh, when I walked in the Renew gathering, there were these little things on the seats. And here I am, I've been a minister for 18 years, and I didn't know what that was. It was a prayer kneeler. I just, that's just not my tradition. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, all these seats reserved or like, where am I supposed <laughs> to sit? I'm looking around. And then I finally figured it out. And uh, I brought some home for me and my wife and the boys. And I, when they said, it's if you want to kneel and pray, my heart resisted. Mm. 
because I knew that that change of posture was going to, I could not act like I was going to submit without submitting. Yeah. Right. Right. And it really did something to me that weekend, that week uh, in, in Nashville and Franklin um, with having to kneel down in prayer. When you kneel physically, it's like the posture of your heart changes. And I found that really powerful. Uh, one of the things we've noticed, too, about um, prayer walking is that um, we really have seen, and I, and I wish, these, this is one thing I wish I had had in my previous congregational ministry that maybe will help somebody, is like see my neighborhood as my parish, and which is very Eugene Peterson-ish, like contemplative pastor that right, talks about right. that. But it's like, this is my parish. These are my people. Sure. Like, if someone's going to reach my neighborhood, it's going to have to be me. And one of the things that we that we picked up on that I just never thought about was our neighborhood here is fairly new. And there's still there's like the last home or two are being built. And that means that everyone who lives, my neighborhood's a couple of years older, but next the next door neighborhood, everyone who lives there just moved in. Yeah. It's all new construction. And that means which is always a somewhere. good time to connect. <laughs> they don't because have a you've church. probably got people who are disconnected. And disconnected people, yes. And so this is what we're finding. And I'm just like, you know. Established churches could look at this and go like, what is the neighborhood like around our church building? Well, sure. it's probably an older neighborhood, but even where's the new construction going? Where do our members live? Who's a member who right. bought a home in a new community? Could you not gather your small group and prayer walk and see right. that that neighborhood as a small group par parish? Sure. Yeah, I think it's so important for developing a disciple making culture. A lot of our churches already have small groups. Often they're more kind of fellowship oriented, or maybe they are knowledge-based Bible study time. You're going to hear next week with Roy Moran what we what we mean by the difference between knowledge-based Bible studies and obedience-based Bible study. But um, they they're already strategically set if they realize there is strategy to it, and if they are intentional. And I'd say if you ever want to light a fire with a small group, give them mission, give them purpose yeah. and, and, and don't just give them purpose, but give them the tools to carry that out. Okay. So let's, let's go, um, let's be very intentional. Uh, you know, honestly, a lot of our small groups probably are people from various neighborhoods. So pick one, <laughs> you know, to start with. Uh, obviously, all of us can start with our own neighborhood individually, but within the small group, pick one. Start, start prayer walking. Uh, divide into pairs. Luke, you know, follow Luke, uh, Luke ten uh, example. Divide into pairs. Pray that God will open doors to people of peace, and actually be willing to go up. It doesn't have. I know it's countercultural. Because our neighborhoods are, are people who drive into their garage, close the garage behind them, sardine themselves with their television and their social media, and maybe don't even know their neighbors. Yeah, that doesn't right. mean that they're not hungry for relationship. It doesn't mean that they wouldn't absolutely love the opportunity to be in a neighborhood where they know people, right? Yes. I have yet to have a negative interaction with anybody that we've approached. You know, um, one of the things that, and, and I love the fact that a while ago you normalized, I didn't say failure, but like um, obstacles. And even failure can be normal. So, you know, 
that's important to hear because you've had a lot of success too, and God's really used your ministry in, in so many ways and brought a lot of growth. So it's really refreshing to hear that. Uh, makes us feel kind of normal. But you know, Tom Rayner he wrote that book, Autopsy of a Deceased Church, and then recently he wrote a follow-up book that was something like I can't think of the name. I've got it sitting here, I think. But he um, he talks about the signs of churches that turn the corner, like instead of just what does it look like to die, like what does it look like to turn the corner, and. Yeah. Uh, one of the things he says in there really struck me. And he says that if, as long as you have one determined, committed person who is committed to praying regularly, consistently, uh-huh. not even has to be a leader, God can use even just one person who decides to do that. And that yeah. was so refreshing to me because sometimes we would call for a prayer walk and like it would just be my family. And I'm like, well, where is everybody? Nobody showed up. And I'm like, well, we're <laughs> committed. Like, <laughs> Prayer is going to happen because right. we're here. And and what God can do through that is powerful. And yes. I think that some people, when they connect with um, a resource like discipleship.org or if they, um, or if they read um, a book like Letters to the Church, Francis Chan, or they get really convicted about this. And so the first thing they do, they go to their church leader and start hammering and saying, we're doing it all wrong. We've got to change everything. You know, And like uh, yes. they, they, they obviously raise up the defenses of, of those. And so maybe instead of doing that, start walking it out. And as you're walking it out, invite someone uh, to uh, maybe another family to walk it out. Or if you're a small group leader, invite your small group to walk this out with you um, and find, find creative ways to connect with your neighborhood um, mm-hmm. There's a, a, a great book called The Art of Neighboring that uh, I think that, um, it's, it's about building real relationships with uh, in, you know, in our culture, we just don't know our neighbors. So how do you start that in a way that is natural, doesn't seem yes. um, preachy or uh, super religious or anything like yes. that, but it's just natural. But like you said, even just going up and saying, Saying, hey, you know, this might sound weird to you, but I've been I've been walking around uh, this neighborhood and just praying for everybody. And uh, is is there something I could pray for you about? Is, is there something going on that I could pray about? I I have never, and I've been doing this for years. Even here in the U.S., I have never had anyone saying, "I don't believe in prayer, get away," or anything like that. You know, yeah, that's right. Uh, now, sometimes that sometimes they might deflect a little bit and say, Oh no, I can't really think of anything. And and then I'll just say, okay, well, I'll just keep praying for you then. Yes. And, uh, but sometimes they'll say, yeah, you know, my son just lost his job or, you know, um, sometimes they'll share really heartbreaking things. Um, but yeah. it is, it, it is, you know, one way to keep it about prayer, but also, you know, start, start connecting. Now, one thing that we do is, and sometimes I'll go for a run and pray while I run, but I, I will look for for sale signs, and I'll take a note. I'm going to write that address down. That house is for sale. Someone's in transition. Now I'm looking for a pending, contract pending sign. Now I'm looking for the signs no longer mm-hmm. in the yard. That means yeah. somebody moved in. I see a car in the driveway. We're taking them cookies. We're writing an, an index card with our names, our phone numbers on it, and just walk up to the door and ring the bell. Hey, I just noticed y'all just moved yeah. in. We live right down the street. The big deal. 
you know, we're glad you're here. We've been praying over the neighborhood. We've been praying for who's going to move in this home. We want you to know that you belong. And people love that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I'm thinking about um, Roy Moran, who we're going to be visiting with. Uh, his son, who his name escapes me, but I love some of the stories of him uh, connecting with his neighbors and they they started his wife uh, started uh, various things and i can't remember the specifics because it's literally been probably three years since i talked to roy's son but um uh she started some things with the gals and with moms um he he got together they started a <laughs> this might sound a little rough, but it, it was a cigar and whiskey tasting group. <laughs> um, and uh, just to connect with men and this continued to grow. And, he, and, and they started that, that this large neighborhood, kind of like what you were saying, fairly young neighborhood as far as how old the homes are. Um, everyone got connected and the realtors literally when they're selling a house in that neighborhood, they, they, that's one of the things they will always say. All of these neighbors know each other and really enjoy doing things together. I mean, it's actually a selling point in the, <laughs> in the neighborhood. That's how much it's impacted. Um, and, and of course, along with that, there are a lot of, um, a, a lot of the neighbors have come to the Lord. There are discovery Bible studies now in the neighborhood as well but that's not the only thing they're doing because this is relationship and so they're going to be hanging out they're going to be watching ball games together or, or doing various things so um it can truly have a transformative impact on your neighborhood mm. you know one of the things that happened was uh, i was telling you asked in the beginning about some of the story with disciple making and, and some of my, my history one of the things that bobby did was to connect me with shadonke and uh, invite in, me into a learning community with a number of ministers to go to Franklin a couple of times a year. This was a little while back and, and, and learn from him, just kind of sit at his feet and just listen to what he had to say. And uh, during that time, uh, Bobby asked me if I was regularly fasting and praying. And then Shadonke, and I was like, no, I, I mean, I, big decisions, yes, but not regularly. And then Shadonke asked me if I was regularly fasting and praying. And I'm like, whoa. That was like in the same week. About this is my pattern here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sensing a pattern. So I started doing that and uh, took Shadonke's advice: start small to end big. Do something manageable so you can be faithful in it with fasting. And what I didn't know was that 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 was like nine months before major life transition toward church planting. And if I hadn't been engaged in that, like I so I so believe that was the grace of God. I used to think fasting was like major decision. Show God I'm serious. Right now right. it's like, <laughs> yeah, because it's like this bargain with God. You know, God's not going to use yeah. me unless I show him I'm serious. Right? Yeah, and now it's like you know what? Like what I found in, in the rhythm. Like if you have a weekly rhythm of a certain time mm -hmm. or a certain meal or a certain set of meals, that I, I found in the very beginning, like I have peace the day I fast, and then I found about a month in, I have peace the day I fast and the next day. And then a couple of months in, it was like, I have peace the week I fast. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got into this major transition That's that just my heart would not have been prepared for. That's good. Had God not aligned fasting and prayer right. through 
people like Shadonki and Bobby right. like almost a year before, right? Right. And that that get that kind of gets me uh, back to that story in Albania when when God convicted my wife and I and my wife and I had I, at that point what I think uh, most believers uh, here would think was a, a very good prayer life, um, prayer disciplines. Um, and, you know, there there was some regular fasting. There was certainly regular prayer. Um, and, but he, uh, God convicted us that it's not about even good regular prayer. This is about extraordinary prayer. This is about, um, what, what Paul said at, at all times on every occasion, um, and, and putting fasting and prayer very intentionally on the table, realizing it is crucial if we want to see uh, if, if we want to see disciples being made and lives being changed and transformation happening, especially if we want to see multiplying movements. Um, and so Tanya and I started um, getting up er- early. Again, one of those barriers, this goes back to one of those barriers about time. One of the barriers in our culture is we... Um, we don't create enough margin in our schedule for the things that are needed to make disciples who make disciples, uh, such as prayer, such as time for relationship with our neighbors, uh, things like that. So it gets back to time. We, we got up early and we prayer walked for at least an hour every day. And in Albania, they don't, they culturally, they don't get up very early. So this wasn't a time for us to, connect with people because the streets were empty. This was about spiritual warfare. Looking back, I know that this was really about praying people of peace into existence. Mm -hmm. This was about breaking the the spiritual strongholds that were exist that, that existed around us that were very clear and evident, which are everywhere, by the way. And it was, it was really incredible. First of all, it blessed us and our relationship and our, our walk together with God, our marriage. When we're walking, we're speaking out loud and talking to God about everything God's putting on our hearts. Yes, we were we had some certain things that had to do with our mission, but we were always, of course, praying for our family and for all Christians everywhere, as it says in Ephesians 6. Um, so the initial impact was just on us. We felt that peace that you're talking about, right? We felt um, ex- a renewed enthusiasm that we're we're here because God wants us here and God does want to use us. He's present with us. And you can't have uh, intentional prayer on that level without experiencing God. And sometimes while we were walking down these these streets and we had three different routes so that we had walked around the entire city of Elbasan every three days. And, um, sometimes his presence was so powerful that Tanya and I actually walked apart because we, we felt like Jesus was right there in between us. Hmm. And, um, so that was, that was the first impact. Second, though, we started seeing things start change. You know, Albania comes from kind of a, a a very strict communist background during the Cold War days. They were 
the North Korea of the Cold War. They were closed off from everyone else. So a lot of the buildings kind of had that drab, brownish, grayish, you know, depressed, oppressed look to them. Suddenly, literally weeks after we started praying, everyone started painting all of these big apartment buildings bright colors. It was really crazy. But we started seeing things happen just in the atmosphere and the way people were looking at each other. And we started seeing more smiles. And we're like, well, that's kind of prideful. I think that, that has something to do with your praying. But, well, do we believe in prayer or not? So that was another big, big deal that we saw initially. But we continued to do this. And month after month, um, even though we still felt like we were running up against walls, and, and of course, we were praying for the things that have to do with making disciples. I was praying for Timothy, very specifically. God, give me an Albanian Timothy, someone who gets it and who who really wants to be a disciple maker. Um, and you know, praying other things like that. We were praying for um, a church in every coffee house. They're, they love their espresso, and they have they, they have coffee shops, coffee bars, literally every thirty to fifty feet on every street. You know. And so we were praying for little church groups, you know, in, in every coffee house, things like that. But um, with regards to our ministry, we didn't initially see a lot change. But about six months into it, um, as we're prayer walking, God uh, gave me a vision that was so out of left field. I, I, I honestly, I couldn't even believe it. It was a vision of... Um, a relay race where one person hands the baton off to the next person. And, and, um, and as I got this picture, Tanya got a clear message of what uh, my wife, Tanya got a clear message of what this um, vision is about. And it was about going to uh, a local um, church leader who had been there for 20 years. He was from the UK. He had um, uh, he he was he and his church was definitely not from my background. Very 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 Pentecostal. <laughs> um, they were very dedicated, uh, like many of the churches. And well, pretty much every church I know of in Albania has split at least once. Um, and a lot of times it's competition over foreign funds. It's not a pretty picture there. And and the message of the vision was that God wanted me to meet with him and say, if you want to hand off the baton of your church and all these ministries, God wants me to be faithful to take them. Well, that's not what I've been praying for God. <laughs> I haven't mm. been praying for a, a church or I've been praying for Timothy. I've been praying to make disciples, make disciples. And who am I to go up to this guy who's been so dedicated for so long? He and his wife sacrificed so much. Who am I to do this? Well, um, uh God just kept kind of hammering this and and we kept praying and felt like he wanted me so I went and just sat with uh, this gentleman kind of a, a very much a British gentleman sat down with them and just said listen God's given me something to share I feel a little awkward sharing it and if you uh, he hasn't said what you're supposed to do so if you want to just laugh at me and say you're crazy get out of here that's okay but as I was sharing he started weeping he started crying and he said, Ken, I, I need to 
tell you that for the last two or three years, I haven't felt like I've been in the right place, but I felt stuck. I haven't known what to do. And last week, it happened to be the day that we got the vision. Last week, I called my home church in the UK and just poured my heart out. And um, the leader of that church said, Nick, I think I have a word from the Lord for you. It's time for you to hand off the baton of your wow. church and these ministries. And God's going to show you who that is. They use so, those words? Yeah, that, those words. And so, so it happened. In, and and that's a whole other story of God's story after God's story of what came through that. We were blessed to see some churches reunite. We were blessed to completely get it into Albanian leadership within a year. We were blessed to do a lot of disciple making training and all of that too. But in the process of us working out the details, we met out in a village outside of town to work out the details of what this handing off would look like. And while it was that, while we were in this little cafe, this this Albanian man walks in, and he sits down and starts talking to us. Spoke some English. He had just gotten out of prison in Greece. Um, he had been there for a while. He he um, he was arrested because he was trying to uh, be a drug mule, take drugs across the border into Greece. So he'd been in prison. While he was in prison. Uh, he went to the library and the only book in Albanian was the Bible. And so he started reading it and he started noticing there were lots of people from different nations um, in that prison. And he started noticing that all these people were reading the only book that was in their language that was in the library too, which was the Bible. And they all had a little bit of broken English. So they all started talking about what they were reading without being trained they, they were doing a discovery Bible study together. They started walking through it and they decided, hey, we need to be, they all, they all became Christ followers. They all decided we need to be church together. We need to, um, and they, they started praying together. And as they got to the Great Commission, they're like, okay, well, since we're a church, we need to send, send someone out on mission. They started reading through Acts. And my, my friend, Christiani was- And they cast uh, lots. <laughs> yeah. So the, this Albanian was like, um, we're in prison. We can't send people out <laughs> on mission. But they were like, they, they prayed and they, they became convicted that Christiani, this Albanian man, was the one that God wanted this church to send out. And he was like, I still have 15 more years on my sentence. You know, I, I, you, you can't send me out. But, but they were like, no, we're going we're gonna to pray because God... God has convinced us that um, that you're the one to send. So they kept praying and praying. Well, a few weeks later, the guards show up in Christiani's cell. They get your stuff. You're getting out of here. He quickly gathers this little church group, um, and they pray and commission him and send him out. He lands in his home village, which is that village that Nick and I were meeting in, and he walks in. He shares the story. And he says, so God wants me to plant churches in this village and the villages surrounding i don't know how can you can you tell me how <laughs> and so my prayers for a timothy were answered yeah. just like that you know and so um so you know all of all of these things i don't i do not believe that if we had not been prayer walking as intensively and persistently as we had that we would have had ears 
to experience that vision and, and understand what was going on, that the things in the spiritual realm would have broken up enough for that to happen. And, and, um, and that those, you know, those prayers, God answers prayers. So if we believe in prayer, then, and we want to see movements, we've got to pray. That's so good, Ken. Thank you for sharing that. You know, the message that I hear in that for me is like, prayer has to just invade everything. And when when I operate not in prayer, if I operate from my flesh or my own intellect, and some good things can come from my intellect, right, not right. so much from my flesh. You, you, it's not that you toss it all out, right? You do not that you toss it out. But what happens? What happens is, is we make decisions about things without going to God, who owns all these things. It all belongs to Him, and He's trying to help us, right? And yeah. so, what, I guess what I want to get at saying is, is that it's so easy to change your mind as a church on ministry or church governance decision making like so the church right. decides to go do a well they decided a out of their own intelligence out of their right. own ability to reason but a decision that's made through this kind of prayer with this kind of experience when these kind of things happen like no one could tear you away from that right you, know, you would you would feel so unfaithful and and in church life often Decisions can be undone in an instant by one complaint. Right. But not decisions done like from this no, operating system. Absolutely not. Yeah. So and and the the more you pray and and see God answers the prayers, the more confident you are in the ministry He's giving you because you become more confident that you are hearing him that you're understanding even even in your study of god's word and you pray and you ask the spirit to teach you through that um that confidence grows and let me just let me just close uh we're we're out of time um and again for those who didn't catch this we were supposed to have shadanke and we were not able to connect with him he's in sierra leone in west africa which uh, sometimes happens, but I've really enjoyed this conversation with you, Matt. Before we close, I just want to share a few passages uh, for you guys just to contemplate. The first is the first part of First Peter 3.12. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. I love that passage. Uh, when we are When we are seeking to go on our co-mission with Jesus to make disciples who make disciples, teaching them to obey Jesus' commands, baptizing them. We're doing right. (laughs) God wants that. And he is going to be, uh, his ears are going to be open to our prayers. Um, Another one has to do, I just, I wrote a a blog for Renew.org that was published last week on, on worry. Um, and it's called worry, the acceptable sin, question mark, this idea that we sometimes that's worry is something that we think just as a part of life, we can't do anything about. But, um, in Philippians four, chapter six, uh, I mean, chapter four, verse six, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Again, we get that everything, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And so 
it's you see the future because the things you're worried about are usually the things you know sometimes it's you're regretting what's in the past but so you give that to them whatever's on your plate right now give that to them tell them what you need and then when you're doing that it's easy to thank him for what he's done because you're seeing his faithfulness right yes um and then the last one is uh james 5 16 the earnest prayer of a righteous person has this is different than most versions you've heard but has great power and wonderful results and if you're like me matt i don't often think of myself as a righteous person because i know mm. how messed up i am right mm. and um i know how dependent i am on god's mercies being new every morning but because of christ we are made right and we are that righteous person whose prayer is going to have great power. It's going to be incredibly effective in the kingdom. And I just want to send all of you out to say, believe in that. Believe that your prayer can do amazing things. Matt, thanks so much for uh, spending this time with with me and 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 filling in for Shadanka. I know those are not easy shoes to fill because you know him. Thank you, Ken. Hey, can you pray? I just, it just feels like yeah, this has to end with that's, prayer. That's absolutely. Uh, let's pray. God, you are so good. We thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. Um, Lord, I pray that everyone listening here, if they've not um, experienced kind of that persistent, intentional, all the time on every occasion kind of prayer. Lord, lead them into that. Maybe bring some people into their lives who are uh, great prayer warriors. I know I've been blessed by connecting with people who just pray with so much faith because they've, they've seen your faithfulness and, um, and it's uh, impacted me. So I pray for everyone who listens to this um, to grow in their life of prayer that it's as consistent um, as as their breath, that it's just on, on their mind, that you're present with us, you're with us all the time, and your ears are open to us. And so, Lord, I, um, I thank you that, <laughs> that you are a God who wants relationship, and within that relationship, you want to communicate. I thank you that prayer isn't one way that you speak to us, Lord, we need discernment to know um, what what you're saying. We need to be in your word so we can test what we think we hear. Um, we, and so uh, lead us in that. And Lord, with regards to fasting, um, Lord, I pray that we will have those regular disciplines of, of a sacrif sacrificially fasting and and dedicating that time to you so that as matt said your peace will reign in our hearts that we can walk out in confidence and uh, bless bless the time bless this ongoing series uh, next week with roy moran uh the week the week after with um with curtis Sargent. The week after that with pam arlen lord i pray you continue to bless this time and uh we we bless shadonke i know he <laughs> He is wearing a lot of hats and doing a lot of things, and I'm sure when, um, he uh, doesn't like 
to miss out on these types of things. So we bless him and his work as well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And if you're enjoying this podcast, would you please hit subscribe wherever it is that you're getting your podcast so that you can stay up to date on every time that I release a new episode. Please mark your calendars for November 4th and 5th coming up this year, 2021. We are going to be hosting another National Disciple Making Forum in person, and it's going to be a great time. So go over to discipleship.org where you can purchase your tickets today. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a good one.